Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, January 7th, 2024. Today's sermon will be from Psalm 51. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn on your Bibles to Psalm 51. And as you're turning there, I want to make a couple uh, plugs for books as well. I would encourage everyone this year to read more. If you, have, if you, don't, if you don't read any books, then maybe commit, I'm going to read one this year. If you read a few, commit to read a few more. We've got plenty back there. We're going to be putting more on there. And it's very interesting. The book that you got, Kindle, I'd never heard of John Piper. And I was in missions class back in 19, I think it was 94, and that was our intro to missions book. And I read that and I thought, who is this guy? And that put me on to then listening to sermons and other things and another book that I, me and Scott read another one thereafter. But, and that one also deals with some things that me and you and Hunter have been talking about quite a bit. So I'm excited you got that one. That was a good one. But uh, <clears throat> Psalm 51 this morning. Um, and again, one more thing as you're turning there, preaching schedule. I'm still going to preach topically for another couple weeks, few weeks, um, and I'm still not decided where I'm going next, but I'm leaning more towards a, a, a minor prophet in the Old Testament, and uh, so I'm going to talk to the elders on Wednesday night, Lord willing, next week I'll be able to let you know where we will be going in the coming days, and I think I've got it picked out, but I will let you know next week. Psalm 51. The title for the sermon is just basically repentance. And this is one of the best places, a lot of, Bi- a lot of places in the Bible, um, this is one of the best places to consider the doctrine of repentance. But let me read Psalm 51. And this is, this is David's prayer, okay? And then we will pray and get started. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I, I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you again this morning with these words as we have sung, we've prayed together, and we've just started our, our time just of fellowship together. Father, here today, and we are we're so grateful for another day. Your mercies are new every morning. Father, we give thanks for the gospel of Christ, for we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, for Jews and then the rest of the world. So, Father, we come in the name of Jesus, knowing that all of your promises are yes and amen in Him. I pray today that as we look at the doctrine of repentance, 
that your spirit would work in our hearts and in our minds, that we would love Christ more, that he would be more beautiful to us, that he would increase, that we would decrease. And Father, as we take the Lord's Supper together, may our faith be strengthened today. Father, as always, I pray, in spite of me, I pray that you would work. Father, this is your word, and this, is, this time is it's always about you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a sermon I have preached. This is a, a pretty different version, but still one that I preached years ago. Um, and, and one of the reasons I'm doing this and next week, because it's two parts, is because uh, um, Caleb and I have been reading through this chapter um, together and we're trying to come up with the main point and then try to support that with the text and which is pretty much what I try to do in, in all of my preaching and so the main point of this of Psalm 51 I believe we believe together is repentance and it's not something new to us instead today is just a reminder and next week it's a reminder of that which is essential for the Christian do you remember the very first words of Jesus when he started to preach? What did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is no such thing as a Christian who is not repentant. No such thing. Repentance and faith, I believe they're both gifts. And I think I can show that very clearly from the Bible, but they go together. In Psalm 51 is one of the best places to learn about repentance. And it's written by David as a prayer of God. And so today, I have together, this week and next week, seven truths. Today, we're going to hit three of them. So you're going to say, well, he might be missing a bit this week, and you're right. But we'll get them together over two weeks. So <clears throat> keep your hand, your, keep your Bible open to Psalm 51 as we go through this text. And so three truths. Um, and we will start with the first one. Repentance is possible. Many people have a hard time forgiving themselves. You probably can think back at your own life and think, before you came to Christ, look at my sins, look what I have done, and how can I ever, how could God ever forgive me for what I have done? <clears throat> and, and I think many people have thought that way. When, when the world thinks about their sins, um, I, I think the world thinks about it quite differently. But for the Christian, we must think about it the right way, the way God's Word tells us to look at it. So let me think about this for just a minute. Repentance is possible. Let me go back to the context of Psalm 51. It's written by King David, and there's a story to be told. David was at home in Israel, in Jerusalem, and Israel's armies were out at war. And David... You know, he was getting older, and he didn't go with them, so he was back at home. While he was there, he saw this beautiful woman bathing on her rooftop named Bathsheba. <clears throat> and he was tempted. And we know the story. He gave in to his lustful desires that he was having, which turned into the sins that would follow coming from his heart. And then lots of, th lots of things transpired. It began with adultery which is the obvious, and then she fell pregnant, and later he's wondering, what am I going to do about this? Because she's married to one of my best friends. So she calls her husband, who happens to be out in battle. His name's Uriah. She calls, or excuse me, David calls Uriah home from war to come home, gives him some gifts, lets him drink a bit, and and, and, and have some social time, and he says, now go home and be with your wife. Well, that, that's the first night. Uriah says, you know what, I cannot do that. I'm going to sleep on my doorstep because my comrades are out in battle at war, and I can't do that. So David gives another chance the next day, next night. And Uriah does the same thing. He does not go to see his wife. Instead, he sleeps outside. So David is wondering what he will do after this great Sin. So he writes a letter, and he writes in the letter to the commanders of the armies and says, put Uriah on the front lines where he knows he will be killed. And he gives it, seals it, Uriah takes it to the commanders there, and then he dies in battle. Now, David was the king 
of Israel. He was God's representative to govern and lead and protect the people of God in godliness and justice and wisdom. And look at what he had just done. Now he had committed we would consider to be the worst of sins. And this murder wasn't just any old soldier. Uriah was his friend. Though Uriah was a foreigner, he was counted as one of David's mighty men in his inner circle. And David trusted this man with his life. I'll bet that back in the days when he was running from Saul, Uriah was there with him as a poor man running in the same circle there with David. This was his friend, and this man was a great man of integrity. And as we go through this story, though, we see at the end of the day, we see with David, what are his sins? Well, just to name a few, there's adultery. There's coveting, because he covets another man's possessions, another man's wife. He's li- he lies. He steals, we could say, another man's wife. And then he commits murder. And all of this comes from the heart. And David must have felt, I mean, how can we, I mean, how can we explain how he must have felt? Um, I think he was pretty hard. If I look through the Bible at first, felt not very much. But then this sin begins to come up within his heart and these things that he had done. David says in Psalm 32, verse 3, For when I kept silent, because he did keep silent for some time, when I kept silent, so about these sins, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Do we not feel that way also when we sin? And we do not confess it. And we do not tell anyone. And those sins come up within us. I think we can understand that. But in this story, eventually Nathan the prophet confronts David. And this prayer in chapter 51 of Psalm 51 here is David's prayer of repentance from all of that. David's coming clean. And now David, probably sometime after, is writing about that that incident. And David might have thought, after everything I have done, can I be forgiven? Is repentance even possible? And then, by the grace of God, he remembers the mercy, steadfast love of God. And he considers the character of God. I think of Jonah. When Jonah went and preached to the Ninevites, he didn't want them to repent, did he? But he got mad because he knew that God might grant them repentance because he knew the character of God. David knew the character of God. And I think lots of things we could say. But look at verse 1. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgression. David knew the character of God was mercy and steadfast love. I'm sure that he remembered Moses. If you want to go back to one place in the Old Testament where we see God's character written and displayed, I think of Moses. I think David would have thought of Moses. Moses went up on the mountain, Sinai, to receive the law of God. And it was there that God revealed his name, his name, to Moses. Here's what he says. Here's what happens. Exodus 34, 4. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and he went up on Mount Sinai. And as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two tablets of stone, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Great mystery, but God did that. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. Notice this part. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. As a Christian today, aren't you glad that this is God's character? This leads to repentance that has been granted to you. 
Well, David appealed to the name of God, and he knew that forgiveness, back to our point, forgiveness was possible for him. This is who God is. I know of no cases where real repentance has taken place that God does not forgive. In other words, if there is repentance, and there is real repentance, I don't know any place in the Bible where someone does not, where God does not forgive true repentance. Now, there might be false repentance, false confession, other things, but real repentance, God forgives. Hebrews 11:6. without faith is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So today, for us, for the world, there is forgiveness of sins. And, the, and He, God forgives because that is what He does. That is His character. Mercy and grace and steadfast love flow from who He is. Back in the Garden of Eden, God did not have to grant them repentance and faith. He did not have to do that. But He does. That's what He loves to do. In fact, we would not be here today if God did not grant repentance. To me, if you are a Christian today, to you, if He didn't grant that to you, you would not be here today. So today, repentance is a reality. And that's why I wanted to start with that, that fact from the Scripture. And, and it's very much implied here as well. So that's truth number one today. Truth number two. <clears throat> repentance involves confession. Confession of sin. Okay, so that's, <clears throat> that's the big truth here. <clears throat> In a moment, I'm going to have three parts to this, but we're thinking about confession. So true repentance is going to have confession. <clears throat> now, sin is the occasion for repentance. <clears throat> repentance is necessary because of sin. In this prayer of confession, David recognizes his sin before God. This is what he does. Notice with me, look in, in, in chapter 51 here, how many different words we see for sin. Verse 1, David says, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3, for I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. It's like David cannot get over the fact that he has sinned greatly and that he is a, a sinner. And so when I think about the world, <clears throat> most people in the world, <clears throat> excuse me, when they think about sin, if they are really honest, <clears throat> I think we can press the world that they are sinners. <clears throat> but they may not call it sin. In Russia, they got rid of that word altogether in the, in the vocabulary during, during communist times. And that came back later when communis communism fell. <clears throat> but the world calls sin a mistake. I made a mistake. Or an error. Or a fault. Or I had a blunder. Or just something that, you know, there's something wrong here, something wrong in what I've done, something wrong in, in our family or their culture. But they haven't called it sin. I think everybody knows. The world knows. It's a general statement that it is unfaithful, uh, that, that when, you, when you're unfaithful to your wife or unfaithful to her husband, that that's not right. It's wrong. The world knows that. To steal from somebody, if you're going to come in my house, open my door, break in my window and come and steal something, you know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. We know it's wrong to particularly, probably the biggest one out there, <clears throat> to murder someone, to take someone's life. We know that is wrong, which I, I don't understand, just little parentheses. I don't understand how even the world doesn't see that, that abortion is wrong, that it is murder. That's, that's coming up in, in another sermon before we move on as well, but I don't understand that. But the world knows that this is wrong. I think kids know. Kids look up here at me. You know it's wrong to disobey your parents. When they ask you to clean your room and you don't clean your room, you know you've done something wrong. Prisons all over the world are full of people that do such things. Such are, such were some of us. 
And if you want to be clear about what sin is and what it means to confess your sin, Psalm 51 is the place to begin. <clears throat> and so, under this umbrella of confession, I have three truths, okay? Three quick truths about what does confession look, right, look like. In other words, when you're thinking about, when Pastor John tells me, in repentance I must confess, what does confession look like in your life? I have three truths. First deals with our sin nature. So if you confess your sins, you must realize that you are a sinner by nature. Look at verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. So he's talking about, I was brought forth. He's talking about being birthed, okay? I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's not saying that the conception was a sin. He's saying my mother was a sinner. She brought me forth, and also I am a sinner. In David's prayer of confession, he knew that he was a sinner by nature. He was born with a sin nature. He was saying, God, I am a sinner, if we could put it this way, all the way down to my core. It is who I am. I was born with this nature. This is called, we might call this, the doctrine of <clears throat> original sin. And so we think about a cat. A cat is a cat. You know, we were over at the McNeil's last night. The cat, we just, a couple times came up. That's a cat. He's being a good cat. He's being a cat. We know what a cat is. A cat is a cat. A dog is a dog. An elephant is an elephant. A leopard is a leopard. On and on we could go. By nature, that's what they are. So in the same kind of way, by nature, we are sinners. From Adam all the way down to us. Because Adam fell, we have fallen. We are fallen in him. This is why I often say we don't have to teach our kids to be bad. They will go that way. Listen to our confession, okay, on the fall of man. Of the fall of man, we believe, it's our confession, that man was created in holiness under the law of his maker. But by voluntary transgression, it's one of the words that we see here with David as well, by voluntary transgression, fell from that holy and happy state in consequence of which all mankind are now sinners not by constraint but choice so it's talking about it's mixing the two together we choose to sin but then continues not by constraint but by choice being by nature utterly void of that holiness required by the law of God positively inclined to evil that's us, every one of us, without the new nature that God gives in Christ. But that's what we are like. We are inclined that way, positively inclined to evil, and therefore we are under just condemnation to eternal ruin without defense and without excuse. We, you're probably not going to hear more serious words than that today. That is very serious, but very clearly what the Bible teaches, and that's our confession. Job 15, 14. What is man, Job says, that he should be pure? Or who, he who is born of a woman, that he should be righteous? Job 14, 4. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men. Because all have sinned. We are not merely, as the world would say, good people gone bad. Okay? That's not the case. You might be able to say that with Adam, but you can't say that with Adam's children, with us. We are sinners by nature. And so, when we confess, when you confess your sins, it starts there. That you are a sinner by nature and you're confessing to God, yes, I am a sinner. And that's who I am. So that's the first truth under confession. Second truth, we must confess specific sins. Confession always involves specific sins. Look at verse 3 of this David. We see it with David here. David says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. I think he's looking back to all the story that I told in the beginning with Uriah and with Bathsheba, with everything that went on there. 
And look at verse 14. He says, deliver me from blood guiltiness. That is specific. David is saying, I murdered. That's what I did. Forgive me. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. And boy, if you really want to get into the mercy of God, David should have been punished and killed in God's righteous way. If you go back to, 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 to Genesis 9, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, life's blood for life's blood. So think what David is saying there. And he knew that. He knew his specific sins. And I'm sure that he confessed the other ones as well. But we see this one clearly. In verse 14, again, he's thinking of Uriah. He's thinking of adultery. He's thinking of his lies. He's thinking of how he betrayed his friend. He's thinking of his murder. I think he was thinking of his integrity as a king. King of God's people in righteousness and justice. And look what he he had done. So, in the same kind of way, we... If we're going to have a good confession, we must confess specific sins. Lord, I'm just thinking of myself. Lord, forgive me for not. And, and some sins that we might have, things that, that have gone on. Lord, forgive me for being lazy in neglecting family worship. Lord, forgive me for not loving my wife as... Christ loves the church. Lord, forgive me for putting myself and my desires above hers or above yours or above my neighbors. Lord, forgive me for not being submissive wives to to our husbands in our hearts. Lord, forgive me for not as children. Forgive me for not respecting my parents who are older. Lord, forgive me as younger children for not obeying my parents. Forgive me for not making the bed when they told me to do that or being kind to my sister or my brother. Lord, forgive me for these things. Lord, forgive me if we want to be, keep going. Lord, forgive me for the evil thought I had yesterday against my neighbor or against my Christian brother. Or sister. It happens all the time. Lord, forgive me for looking at videos on the internet that I should not look at. Those are things that we can, those are specific things. Forgive me for reading that and then knowing I should put that down, but then picking it back up and jumping into that. David and his lustful desires leading to sin. That's what happened. Forgive me for doing those things. Now, we could say, all of us, Lord, forgive me for. Draw the line. How many things can you put in there? We could go on and on and on today. And that's what David was doing. He was, he was, he was confessing specific sins. These are sins of commission. In other words, sins of things that we, we've done. And I haven't even mentioned you know, the Bible says, for he that knows to do what is right and does not do it, it is sin. Well, lazy in evangelism. Lazy in prayer times. Lazy in all kinds of things that we know we should be doing, but we neglect them. And, le- and I, I find that, that as the older I get, that, that list goes more in, in my life personally than the other. And then there are secret sins of the heart that we can't even confess yet. You think you're going to reach some perfection? No, you're not. Because next year, something's going to pull up there and come out of your heart that you're like, where in the world did that come from? Well, then you need to confess that specific sin. As a Christian, I am glad, and I rejoice today, as we're singing today these gospel songs that Christ has covered my sins, as we remember that today in the Lord's Supper. And He makes this not just possible, but Sure, and this is one of the gifts of Christ, which is repentance. But confess our sins specifically. We must do that. It's one of the reasons why, we, I know we, in home groups, we've been through many home groups through all these years. We always have a little time. We say, now do you want to, anybody want to confess any sins? 
Sometimes there's no confession. Sometimes that's okay, yes or no. That just lets us know that that's something that we, we believe that's what the Bible teaches and it's good for us to do that. And so sometimes there are and sometimes they're not, but it's always there. It is an attitude of an, a, an environment of confession, which by the way, I'm going to talk about a little bit next week. We're, we're, we're going to add a time of confession even in our time of, of gathering on Sunday mornings coming up after February. And I'll be talking more about that. But I, I think we need to bring that before us more. So that's the second thing about, about confession. We're sinners by nature and we, and, we, and we confess our sins specifically. The third is that our sins are not just against people. Our sins are against God. Ultimately, our sins are against God. Look at verse 4. David says, Against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David knew that he had sinned against God. And by saying only against you, he is focused on the heart of true confession and true repentance. True confession knows that sin is essentially, ultimately, against God. And this is probably when, Caleb, you remember we were talking about this the other morning, this was probably that, that aspect that first came out, that our sins are against God, that only God can do what He does in granting repentance, but our sins are against God. To sin is to miss the mark of God's holiness. To sin is to break any of God's commands in both our hearts and in our actions. Which, by the, by the way, when we think about our sacrifice, the Lord Jesus, He did not break any of God's commands in his heart, or in his actions. And he did not inherit the sin nature that we inherited. He was like us, 100% man, yet without sin. For us, our sin is against God. To sin is to break God's covenant. God requires holiness in order for us to dwell, for him to dwell in our presence, in order to have a relationship with him. Look at verse 9. David says, Hide your face from my sins. Because he knew that it didn't matter so much at this level, brother and sister, human-wise. He knew it ultimately, God, hide your face from my sins. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Brothers and sisters, confession, confession isn't just good for the soul. It is necessary for true repentance to take place. And in this kind of confession, I believe there must be a desire as well to not continue doing what you're confessing. Now, this is hard, guys, I, because if you're like me, and, I, and you are, you find that over the years, what do you do? You commit the same sins, the same kinds of sins, and the same kinds of heart sins and so I realize that and there is a fine line because there is such thing as a false confession it's not just I got called again but there is a desire to not do the things that I was doing before the, th the things I just mentioned while I go on specific sins whatever they are whatever they are there is a desire not to do that it, I mean, Josiah sent me a thing this week on repentance. <laughs> and I can't remember quite how he, how he worded it. I didn't put it in my manuscript, but it is to, re repentance is to vomit everything out that is fleshly or worldly or contrary to God. So whatever it is out there, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Whatever sin you can think of in the heart or in the action or whatever it is, you don't want it. Because you know who God is and you know His glory and you know His steadfast love and His mercy and His character. And so there's something that motivates you to repentance and confession. Saying, I don't want this anymore in my life. And I would say that is over time, especially for those of you who are hearing these words today, over time, Christians do this. They go, I don't want that in my life anymore, and I'm going to confess it. Martin Luther, you know, back in, before the Reformation, they, were, they, they would bring these um, to the Catholic Church. They would, they, they, they would pay them money 
so that then the church could then write indulgences and say, your sins are forgiven. And then they would go to the priest. And only at the time of, you know, just going to the priest could sins be, you know, confessed and forgiven. But Martin Luther, the very first thing he put when he nailed his thesis, theses, 95 theses to the door at Wittenberg, was that for the Christian, all of life is one of repentance. So it's not just walking an aisle, I repent. It is not just saying a prayer, I repent. It is every day, every day. I mean, those of you who are older than me, Jimmy, is it getting harder to fight sin? It gets, it gets harder. It, gets, it doesn't get easier. Sin is there, and we don't want it. So we must confess. And confess our specifics and confess to God. Let me um, go back to our confession for just a moment on repentance, repentance and faith. Here's what it says just about repentance. This is what our confession says. In repentance, we are deeply convinced of our guilt, danger, and helplessness, and of the way of salvation by Christ. We turn to God with unfeigned contrition, confession, and supplication for mercy. And so I would say to you today, that's what we do as Christians. Because we know, 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 2 speaks about sin. John says, if you say that you, you haven't sinned, you, you make God, you're a liar. You make God out to be a liar. And I write these things so that you might not sin. So today, don't sin. Follow the commands of God. But when you do sin, we have an advocate we have one who has laid down his life as a sacrifice in our place. And God has counted his righteousness as ours. And it comes by faith as we look unto Christ. That's what we are doing today. And so in our confession, that is what we are doing. And we're looking unto Christ. So that's the second. Repentance with repentance. It's possible is number one. Number two. There's confession. Number three, finally, this morning. Repentance is a matter of the heart. Uh, this is often, and I hope you see this often in, in my preaching. But let's look at chapter 51 for a second. Look at verse 6. David says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. That's the heart. He's talking to God, and he says, You delight there. You delight in truth there. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Look at verse 10. Creating me a clean what? Heart. Not, not mind, heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 16 and 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And I, just before I say anything else, that, that's not something that just comes. We, you can say, give it to me now. Give it to me now. Uh, it, we must receive, God must work in our hearts. That's why David's praying to God. So just a little parenthesis and application. If you want a repentant heart, pray every day. God, help my heart. Pray these prayers. Create me a clean heart. You delight in inward being. Help my inward being. Teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Give me a broken spirit. That's not the way the world works, guys. As Scott would say, that's not the way they rolled. But as Christians, that's the way we work. And so we must pray for it. Did you know that Jesus' greatest charge against the religious leaders of his day was centered around an unrepentant heart? There's a story from Matthew 15. The religious leaders, they come to Jesus and they ask Jesus a question. And they say, Jesus, why do your disciples not follow our traditions? And by the way, these were not the commands of God. These were traditions that were added later. In verse 7 of chapter 15, he says, with, in the Greek exclamation point, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, 
but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Brothers and sisters, if you're making a profession and your heart is not right, then you worship in vain. That's what the Word says we do. Jesus says it here. In vain do you worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. And he called the people to him and he said to them, hear and understand. In other words, hear this. This, this, this truth comes out all the time, but it, this is the most important thing. Hear this, he says. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. Alcohol, nicotine, other substances, whatever they are. He's not saying that those are the things that defile us. Jesus is saying, hear that and understand. We must get that. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes where? Out of the mouth. This defiles a person. And then in verse 15, Peter says, Jesus, explain this parable to us. And he says to Peter, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth and passes into the stomach, it is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from where? We know the answer, the heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart comes evil, evil thoughts. Have you had an evil thought this morning, yesterday, this week? Murder. Well, I don't think anyone here has murdered anyone, but Jesus says if you've thought evil about your brother, you've done it where? In your heart. Adultery. Maybe you have never, maybe you've been always faithful physically to your spouse, but if you're looking at something you shouldn't look at, or you're reading something you shouldn't read, or you're looking at another, another woman or another man in a way, what does that do to your wife or your husband? Where's it coming so don't just think, oh, I didn't mean to do that. People often say that. Ah, oh, they might say, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, you got that right. That's a, really, that's a pretty good confession, actually. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But to say, no, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. Well, according to these words, you may not know you meant it. It just came right out, right? It just came right out. You squeeze the orange into the cup. What's coming out into the glass? Orange juice. You're not going to get tomato juice out of that orange. In other words, yeah, think about that. that, that that's a, that's a, a very, very important truth. Yeah, and I, did, and I used to think that for years. I, I, didn't, I didn't really mean to do that, honey. Yeah, I did. Now, we get that. And did I? It just came out before you could even think about whether you meant it or not, right? It just came out. And then you go, okay, that's just our way of dealing with that. That's what Jesus, that's why he's saying to them, hear and understand this. And I think probably the most important ethical teaching we can find in the Bible is this, this right here. That's why biblical counseling, Greg, is so important because it gets to the heart. We don't just give band-aids. We get to the, if we don't get the heart changed, there is no change on the outward part. Because then we just look like a whitewashed tomb. That's what we are. Wash the, he says you look good on the, the cup on the outside, but on the inside you where people can't see the cup, it's dirty. So that's what Jesus says to us. So Peter asked that question. He says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. That's sin. That's the sin nature. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. So all these things, the world says, I don't do those things, therefore I'm good. But as Christians... We go underneath that, don't we? And we go, oh, yeah, all these things. They're beneath the surface and they are coming out. That's what we got to get at. In the same way, true repentance is a matter of the heart. So I would say, please hear me and listen to these words. I hope that through the years this is something you've seen or noticed at least. Maybe I can say this about myself. Um, you might that, you know, what you see is what you get, even, you know, everybody knows that. What, what did John say? Yep, there's just John again. He just kind of says what comes out. And you, When I'm, I'm good, you see the good, and when I'm bad, you see the bad. And Kristen's probably embarrassed so many times at me because I do something. I just, it just comes right out. And that's just the way I am. But I hope that 
You know, when I'm in error, you will see that and you'll speak the truth in love to me. But when I am right, you will listen and you'll know where it's coming from. But at the end of the day, God is concerned with your heart. And our repentance must flow from a heart that yearns for the gospel of Christ, that wants forgiveness, and that pursues doing what is right the next time. So this is really the difference between a false professor, non-Christian, and a Christian. Proverbs 21, 27. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? Matthew 7, 21 on the other side of that. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm almost finished. Just a couple more, a few more words here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me say that again. Some of you are sitting here. May it not be me. May it not be you. But that day when it comes, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. These are probably some of the scariest words in all the Bible. The very last day. I don't want that said of me. These folks prophesied, they cast out demons, they did mighty works, but where were their hearts? They did all the good things, right? But where were the hearts? We can look good on Sunday morning. We can look good when we leave our homes and we go out into the, our meetings and we can look good at work, but we know it's the heart. And Jesus will say to those who ha- do not have true repentance from the heart, He says, depart from me. You look good, but I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness. Because lawlessness starts in the heart. True repentance comes from the heart. And if you look at your life today, and the way you live your life does not reflect an ongoing attitude of repentance day after day. Not day after day, I get that. There's going to be times where of backsliding or whatever, but week after week, year after year, two years after two years, and you're saying, you know, all those years, I'm still the same, and I'm not repentant from the heart, then I would say, then you need to repent, and you need to cry out to God, and turn unto Christ, and be saved, because God, Christ, God is there, and He's waiting, He's saying, hey, come to me, and He's there, if you will repent, and I know this is leaving out a lot of other theology, but this is the man side of it. And so I would say to you this morning, if you are not a Christian, look unto Christ. Trust Him. I heard those words when I became a Christian, and I read the Word, and I understood them, and I turned and looked unto Christ. So with that in mind, just in summary, repentance, it is possible, it is there. Two, repentance involves confession of sin. And also, repentance is a matter of the heart. And so, now as we turn our, our attention to the Lord's Supper, as I said from the beginning, I believe that repentance and faith, they're two sides of the same coin. They go together. Both are gifts. But why do those gifts come down to us? If you go back and read, especially Isaiah 53, Christ, in His death... And resurrection, his ascension, now he gives gifts to the church, to his people who trust in him. And so faith and repentance are gifts. And so this morning as we take the Lord's Supper and we hopefully have applied some of this, if you've heard me preach this morning and thought, what are my sins? If you are a Christian today, know that Christ has covered them all. So those things that you might feel guilty about right now, but if you are in Christ, if you have believed on Him, the guilt has been taken away by His his sacrifice, His substitutionary death on the cross for your sins. We have an advocate. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a heart of repentance, we come to Him. And so with that in mind this morning, I'm going to move, move our time and our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You don't need to turn there with me. I'm just going to read one, one more time here as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper and as we consider these, these truths today. And if you are a 
visiting with us and you are a baptized believer in Christ and you're not under discipline from, from another church, I would say come and take the Lord's Supper with us. And as those of us who've been here, we know how we do this row by row. So Blaine, after, after a minute after I pray, if you if you come up on this side and we will take the Lord's Supper together. Let me read a few words. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Or as often as you eat this bread... <clears throat> And drink this cup, you proclaim our Lord's death until He comes. Let's just spend a moment in silence, and then I'll lead us in a time of prayer, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time, this great command, this great drama, this ordinance, this sacrament, we could say, this, this memorial that you have given to us in both baptism and the Lord's, Lord's Supper, especially as we take the Lord's Supper every month, and we do that regularly. Father, our hearts will wander away. Without it, we tend to forget so many things. But Father, I pray that you would apply the, the message of repentance today in these few truths to the great gifts that we have in Christ, that our sins are forgiven if we look unto Him in repentance and faith. I pray that, Father, as, these, as we eat this bread and we drink the cup, the juice, these real elements, Father, You, or Jesus, You are real. And You gave your, Yourself, all of Yourself, and you, you were crucified on the cross body. You died for us. So we are grateful today. Help us now increase our faith greatly as we take the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.